ನಿರಂಜನಂ ನಿತ್ಯಂ ಅನಂತರೂಪಂ ಭಕ್ತಾನುಕಂಪಾಧೃತವಿಗ್ರಹಂ ವೈ ಈಶಾವತಾರಂ ಪರಮೇಶಮಿಡ್ಯಂ ತಂಗ್ರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣಂ ಶಿರಸಾನಮ ಜನನಿ ಸಾರದಾ ದೇವಿ ರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ಪಾದಪದ್ಮಿತಣಮಿ ಮುಹೂರ್ಮುಹು ನಮಸ್ತಿರಾಜಾಯೇಕಾನಂದಸೂರೈ ಸಚ್ಚಿದ್ಸುಖಸ್ವೂಪಾಯ ಸ್ವಾಪಹಾರಿಣಿ ಸೊ ವಿ ವೇರ್ ಸ್ಟಡಿಂಗ್ ದ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ತ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಆಫ್ ಸ್ವಾಮಿ ವಿವೇಕಾನಂದಸ್ ಕರ್ಮಯೋಗ ದೇರ್ ಆರ್ ಟೋಟಲಿ ಏಟ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ಸ್ ಸೊ ದಿಸ್ ವಿಲ್ ಬಿ ಫಾಲೋಡ್ ಬೈ ಅನದರ್ ಟೂ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದೆನ್ ವಿ ವಿಲ್ ಬಿ ಕಂಕ್ಲೂಡಿಂಗ್ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಟೈಮ್ ಬೀಂಗ್ ದ ಸ್ಟಡಿ ಆಫ್ ಸ್ವಾಮಿ ವಿವೇಕಾನಂದಸ್ ಕರ್ಮಯೋಗ ಸೊ ದ ಸಿಕ್ಸ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಇಟ್ ಈಸ್ ದ ನೇಮ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಇಟ್ ಈಸ್ ದ ಅನಿಹಿಲೇಷನ್ ದಟ್ ದ ಸೆಲ್ಫ್ ಇಫೆಸ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಈಸ್ ದ ಆಫ್ಟರ್ ಆಲ್ ದ ಗೋಲ್ ಆಫ್ ಕರ್ಮಯೋಗ ಸೊ the non attachment actually means complete self abnegation so that's the title of the chapter so in which we found that swami vivekananda has entered the section where he is discussing what is discussing that there cannot be any karma there cannot be any action which is purely good the purely white action is not possible in this world neither pure white nor pure black is pure evil that also is not possible all the actions are to certain extent tinged maybe that predominantly it's a good action but it has a tinge of evil in it and however evil an action may be we will find it has a tinge of goodness in it there cannot be purely good and purely bad action so now why swami vivekananda is bringing this uh, idea into his lecture the idea we will find actually swami vivekananda's background we should always keep in his keep in our mind he is in the west he is in the states where the predominant religion is christianity so he is the audience uh, he bring an orient from the first time he is addressing the people who are from that christian background and in christianity we find uh, in the theology in the christian theology the one of the big problem is the problem of evil the big question is that if the creation has came out from god god is the creator who is all good then how come there is so much evil in this world so this is the basic question of the problem of evil that if god is all good from whom has emanated this entire creation then how does the evil exists in the creation so here we find this is the thing which christianity has to answer and that's why we find the concept of evil as a separate personality as satan has came into existence that it is that almost the eternal fight of the good and the evil and the idea is there that god is all powerful at last the goodness will win the evil ha- has to be destroyed it cannot it though it is there it cannot be omnipotent it is not omnipotent it is a god who is the omnipotent all powerful so the more we resort to goodness the more the evil is annihilated is reduced and annihilated so that's the idea we find it's a it's a huge idea, topic of theology just to give the main idea behind it just i'm just making this few lines that the evil is cannot be something which has been produced from by god which has been created by god who is all good so that's why 
it has been ascribed that all the evil has been ascribed to satan he is the personification of, of all evil and the more we resort to goodness the more the evil is destroyed annihilated attenuated and a day will come where goodness alone will prevail and there is the idea of millennium and there so many ideas which actually indicates to that that at last the goodness will prevail so from this standpoint taking this standpoint of the christianity there is background of all the audience swami vivekananda is actually bringing this topic of that there cannot be any action which is purely good or purely evil so the same question from the vedantic perspective is seen in a different way what's that that god as such is of course not pure not good the idea of goodness and evil is to this phenomenal existence when in the we find the abrahamic religion they are saying god is all good in the vedantic way of saying is god is beyond good and evil the goodness and uh, the evil these are something which belongs to the phenomenal existence in some other lectures swami vivekananda is using some uh, some example to explain this some analogy he is using to explain this idea he is saying suppose the dog is resting and it has lot of its the young ones the cubs the small ones the puppies and the puppies they are uh, in in so that they have started just uh, fighting with each other they were so the swamiji is saying for the mother dog she is not at all perturbed she knows it's just some the, the what you say the, the childish uh, play of the puppies they are just small puppies that's how they behave so she is not perturbed but if you go to the perspective of those puppies it is something a very serious matter to them that fight is something that i have to win or i cannot lose and if i lose then he uh, the the my other sibling has actually was bossing over me all those complaints will be there even in the means what to speak of the dog even in the human society that's the thing when the small children are fighting with each other it's something very serious but we as the parent take it oh it's all childish prank so that's the example swamiji is saying that from the god's point of view what we are doing is a mere childish play he is beyond good and evil and to give an example vedanta says what that this world is not exactly a creation of god it is actually projection it's uh, this too has a bit difference it was projection that this he has not created something out of nothing it is actually being the god himself has been projected the brahman actually has been projected as the universe to give an example let us take an example the white light when it is in presence of the prism when you keep a prism in proximity of the white light immediately it breaks into the spectrum from one side of the prism it is pure white light on the other side of the prism it is the spectrum the seven colors so why we are giving this example there's in vedanta they say that when the mind comes into picture when the, from where the mind came if god alone is there so here we find vedanta is never interested in answering that question he is not interested that's why they have termed the term ignorance we don't know it has happened how you know it has happened because as an ordinary limited being i through my spiritual realization can realize so the spirit the spiritual realization can take me to that experience that there is only one non dual existence this local i this local sense of ego that i am i am if i close my eyes ears everything and just to think who i am i cannot get rid of the idea that i i constantly emanating but that sense of i has a locality 
I cannot get rid of that locality that I am in space time at certain place sitting from there that idea of I is emanating. If I open my eyes that I through my eyes can say that it is I who can see the galaxies and I can imagine even the last galaxy which the science has said that is the last I can imagine no there must be something beyond that. So when the eye is finding expression through my mind, it has no limit. It is it, that you cannot say that uh, that as the visible world ends here, there is no such uh, uh, till now the science haven't found where the visible world ends. But just for <coughs> sorry, <coughs> the sake of, sake of example, we take that the physical world ends here. But with my imagination, I can even go beyond that. So this I at present is a localized being which has a center, but which has no circumference. That's what Swami Vivekananda in some other places saying that this individuality, this individuals, we as individual are a circle which has a center, but which has no circumference. What actually is meant by spiritual realization? Now, Advaita stands a very, it has a very strong foothold, not because its theology can be proven in the way we practice the Vedanta. The wonderful thing, what the Vedanta is saying, the echo of it, you will find in the mystics of all the religion. Those who have practiced the religion, they were not just mere satisfied by some doctrines and dogmas and just kept their religion only to some belief. The religion, they, they lived that religion, that intensely they lived. If you go to the mystics of any of the tradition, whether it is the Islam, the Sufi, you go to the Sufis, whether it is the Christian mystics, any religion, even in uh, what you said, there's uh, Judaism, everywhere we find there's, uh, there's uh, mystics, they are speaking of unity. So that there is that in the words of Mr. Eckhart, that infinity lies in each and every moment. They all, as, as they're speaking the same language, there's an echo of the Vedanta there. That's why Sri Ramakrishna used to say that when you go to the realization, there you will find all the fox are howling in the same manner. In the forest, it happens when one fox howls, immediately we find all other fox resonating, echoing as if consenting, as if consenting to what that the first fox has howled. So Ramakrishna is saying where, where, when you go to that realization, then you find all are as if howling in the same manner. All the differences in the doctrines and the dogmas. When you go to the, the realization, the mystic realization, they all speak of that unity. So in short, it is something ineffable. It cannot be described, but it is something noetic, that realization. Means you have a conviction that what I have seen is not a mere imagination. It is something which I have conviction, the way I am seeing a, a suppose a flower in my presence. I have seen the truth that way. It is something palpable. And what's that palpable truth? That this I, the sense of I, which I find at present is localized. When I go to that realization, that sense of I is still there, but it has lost its locality. You cannot just locate it where it is in space, time, causation. This, all these factors no more works with that I. It has become something non-local. That's one thing. And another thing, of course, when you are in that intense realization, you go beyond your mind and senses. And as a result, as a result, what happened? This phenomenal existence seems to be no more there. It has vanished. And that only thing is there is that I. I am, but that I am is not no more located just within the body sitting somewhere. There's a difference between this I and that I. That's why in Vedanta, they use the two terms, Atman and Brahman. The I which is within is Atman. And the same I is been equated with Brahman. That when you go to that realization, the same Atman, it is not that Brahman is there, Atman is separate, and there's a unification. No. 
that atman which at present is having the sense of locality that loses the sense of locality that's why this word brahman if you go to the real meaning it came from brihdhatu which means brihat which means big which means all encompassing so either we will find in vedanta this is a wonderful idea this atman and brahman are the same is because of the ignorance when it gets localized within this body mind complex i feel it is as if just limited within the psychophysical existence when you go to the realization you find that amness alone exists everything has as if projected from that and now how it has projected that vedanta says we don't know but the realization says us that this spectrum falls off when the mind when the prism when the mind called prism is taken away the spectrum falls off and you find that i am that white light i am that non dual eternal conscious principle so now from this standpoint it is not creation it's projection somehow the mind came into existence and this non dual amness is being projected as this world of name and form with various spectrums there are so many spectrums so now the good and evil how is vedanta is defining it is it these are the various spectrums nothing else that's why swami ji is saying that we never say good and evil we say good better best this this world nothing is evil that at what you say as evil is actually a particular state of existence from where we when we evolve it's a question of comparison from that evolved state we say this is bad actually nothing is bad it is just a gradation just like the way the spectrums are graded it is all gradation a very interesting what happens when i in the phenomenal existence am trying to make all good now now we know that when the light falls on the prism we are just taking an example it breaks into a spectrum now if i identify myself with the red spectrum what i will try i will say that the red spectrum should encompass the entire the existence the other spectrum should vanish so how to make the red spectrum encompass the entire phenomenal existence to make it bigger you take the you know if the prism is there and the screen is there the farther you take the screen the more the spectrum gets broadened you know because of the angle it gets broadened but another thing the other spectrums are also getting broadened that's why swami ji in one place very very nicely he told that if goodness increases in geometrical progression evil increases in uh, uh sorry if uh, uh goodness increases in arithmetical progression just in plus and then you will find that 1 plus 1 is 2 but evil is increasing in geometrical progression it will it won't be 2 into 2 4 and again into 2 it will be now 8 if you just arithmetical progress 2 plus 2 plus 2 that is it is becoming 6 but geometrical progression <coughs> is progressing at a much faster rate is it becomes almost exponential and we find it is true in this world that however we may try to get rid of the evil has it really reduced god has incarnated spoke uh, just uh, has delivered the truth to the human kind and we find that what a mess we have made out of it every attempt all the isms came democracy came communism came socialism came has the world changed in the words of swami vivekananda the world is like an old rheumatic patient in rheumatism if you have pain in your say knees and you give a nice massage the pain from the knees vanishes and it just shifts and then you find the pain is in the ankle so it doesn't vanish it just shifts you will find the evil goes on shifting to give an example just sometimes the way the entire history of communism has been described that in the attempt to bring equality among all what has happened at last only the roles have changed equality didn't come the landlord was sitting on the top of the horse and was whipping the laborer and after the revolution what has happened the roles have changed now you will find the laborer is sitting on the top of the horse the landlord is standing on the ground and it is the laborer who is whipping the landlord 
If you study this entire socialism, you will find that has happened. Though the aim was very good, ism, the idea was very good, but at last, did we achieve it? Nowhere. It was never successful. It's not only just, I'm just giving the example of the communism, anyism, democracy, is it successful? No, you find it has its own defects. In this world that we started with that idea that with the goodness, we will conquer all evil. And that's the way with the Christian background, the entire Western world is progressing. And Swami Vivekananda from the Eastern background is going there and addressing them. 100 years back, he has told the bland truth. It is never possible. Still, most probably, many of us are not convinced of that idea. Swamiji says it's never possible. The, if the only way it is possible is go beyond the spectrum, go beyond good and evil. If I think of making the red spectrum to be all pervasive, know it for certain, the bigger it becomes, the bigger the other spectrums become. So the, in this society, that's how good and evil are intertwined. When you see the projection immediately, this it has to be uh, divided into various spectrums. I cannot think of perfection in the spectrum. Go beyond the mind. How to go beyond the mind? To, by attachment, by self-abnegation. It is this limited sense of identity that has created the spectrum. If I can go beyond that, then the good as well as the evil both falls off. Otherwise, good and evil are the obverse and reverse of the same coin. So this is the basic distinction where we find that from the Christian background, they're trying to define God as good. And then finding it's a big problem to uh, define the evil, that how come the evil comes into existence if God is all good and if the entire creation has, is came out from God. So that's a, there's a big, what finds the difficulty in explaining. So from that standpoint, Swamiji is bringing the idea of God is beyond good and evil is neither the way we think good and evil, that is something which is in our level of understanding. From God, that way of understanding good and evil doesn't exist at all, is beyond that. And to go beyond that is our spiritual goal. And karma yoga, like any other yoga, is a way that to go beyond both good and evil. So now let us go with this background, let us gradually enter into the discussion of what Swami Vivekananda is saying, is delivering in this lecture. So that being the case, it naturally follows that perfection can never be attained by work. We may work through all eternity, but there will be no way out of this intricate maze. You may work on and on and on, there will be no end to this inevitable association of good and evil in the results of work. The second point to consider is, what is the end of work? We find the vast majority of people in every country believing that there will be a time when the world will become perfect, when there will be no disease, no death, nor unhappiness, or wickedness. You'll find it's still going on, that the uh, medical science is advancing. You know, for, for the present coronavirus situation, previously the vaccinations, now the vaccination is so advanced. In, within one year, the vaccination is coming. They're having this uh, RNA vaccination. The science could have never thought of even 50 years, 60 years back. But have we really overcome the evil? Disease also is coming in new forms. The thing, all the so-called diseases we have thought of, which never existed, but now we, these are all new types of diseases are coming. New type of viral infections are coming. So never you will find that with the advance, advancement is happening, as we were told, that you are increasing the red spectrum by taking the screen away from the prism. But along with that, the other spectrums are also increasing. So this evil also finds expression uh, uh, more and more when we're trying to do good to the world. You can never find a time. It's an illusion when we, if we think that a time will come when we will really get rid of disease, death, 
by the medical advancement, will get rid of all evils of the society with the social advancement. That is never possible. That's the Vedanta's assertion. You may go on through eternity, you can never do it. So that is a very good idea. Then Swamiji is saying, it's a good idea. Why it is a good idea? Because it motives us to do something good. It's a very good idea, a very good motive power to inspire and uplift the ignorant. But if we think for a moment, we shall find on the very face of it that it cannot be so. So this, this line, I will just, uh, someone asked me in India, this time when I visited last year, that you all go to the West and just preach the Vedanta, but why should they take Vedanta? No, no, that we are not uh, in a way to uh, just uh, really uh, uh, try to, uh, what you say, that preach Vedanta, it's just our way of life we are doing. But he thought it that way and told that way. That why, well, the, the, because, and then he said, why you are saying that? What from what background? This is the Western world is so advanced. You see its city, you see its the, the, the roads, the parks, the buildings, everything so clean and clean. And in India, you find everything chaotic. And with this, the Vedanta from this background, the people will just see the result. What's the result? With all your religion, what have you done? And they will just say, see this. And so this is the, actually the basic difference in the way we think of the ultimate reality. So why has the, the you see the external prosperity? Yes, it has this because it's a tremendous motive power. When you say that all the evil can be got rid of, what is heaven? Heaven is all good minus the evil. That's all the, all the ideas of goodness which we have minus the evil is the heaven. And as per the Christian background, heaven is the highest ideal where I can annihilate all the evil and just have only goodness. That being the highest ideal, that's what I try to practice in my day-to-day life. And that's how you got such a prosperous material civilization. Material, it's really that way. It's really progressing. And this from the Indian background, from the Vedantic background or from the Buddhist background, that the ultimate reality is beyond good and evil. So there we find that's why that's, it has something, it has as if people have nothing to do with this external so-called material progress. We have to dive within and go beyond both good and evil. And that's why it appears to be so chaotic externally. But that doesn't that way prove that this Vedanta, if it, we are taking a different benchmark to uh, compare these two things, it's a totally different bench, benchmark. If you are really taking the material progress as a benchmark, of course, that this idea doesn't help us to progress materially. But at the same time, does it really help us spiritually to give a sense of fulfillment of life with all the material progress? And the first thing is you just relate to it with awe. But when the awe-ness has gone, when you try to really find out that what actually it is, at last you will find that there's a tremendous sense of meaninglessness because after all, you find that with all the advancement at last, you cannot get rid of the evil. It is coming in a different way. If in the physical level, I try to get rid of all the evils, I find in the mentally, I'm getting more affected in the form of depression, meaninglessness. Somehow, the evil, we cannot get rid of. Swami Vivekananda, in one place, he told a wonderful thing that, you know, the biggest problem with us is what? Whenever we think of progress, we take only the physical world into our existence. But in, even in our day-to-day life, really how much the physical existence matters. It's our mind which matters. You, just to give a common example, suppose uh, I earned a lot. I got a good profession. Earned. Why? To have a nice house, to have a nice car, to have all the amenities modern amenities, I managed with all so much labor I managed. But when you're staying there, all the amenities which you have availed with so much of labor, how much time do you really spend getting involved with that? Most of the time you are alone with your own mind. The biggest enemy of man is the laser. If he has not known how to use that laser, 
with all your material gain at last you get laser and you don't know what to do with the laser so this see the paradox i don't know what to do with the laser i get we got with all because i thought the material progress alone is the progress what about the mind with which i have to deal most of my time with all the materialism it will just involve only a very small part of my life rest of the time i am left out with my mind and i don't know what to do so that's now you will find just why we are saying this to contrast that it's a very good motive power but there is a flaw in it when it cannot be the highest it is required but along with that we have to take care of our spiritual growth with all the material growth this should run hand in hand otherwise there can never be the real sense of fulfillment in our life so that's it's a good motive power but we will find uh, that it is not something which is all perfect so that is is a very good idea a very good motive power to inspire and uplift the ignorant but if we think for a moment we shall find on the very face of it that it cannot be so how can it be seeing that good and evil are the obverse and reverse of the same coin how can you have good without evil at the same time what is meant by perfection a perfect life is a contradiction in terms there cannot be something called perfect life because the word life itself means what that i as in that in the from the vedanta perspective i as that non local consciousness was beyond all need but the moment i get identified with a particular body just to say a micro take a micro in the petri dish i am just swing through a microscope that how the microbes behave if i put some nutrients it are drawn towards it if i put some toxin it moves away from it the stimuli response speaks of life and what stimuli response speaks of the things which once i get identified with the psychophysical existence the things which are favorable for its existence as now i have identified with the body my existence has been identified with that body the things which are favorable for it that i think has to be good the thing which is not favorable for its existence i think to be bad and a constantly this fight has to be there in a life without this struggle i cannot think of life swami will swami ji will come to an example that sometimes we may think that uh, let us in no way interact with the world so that i in no way harm the world but you know what happens even if i resign from all my activities and i'm sitting in my room thinking that i'm in no way harming anyone is it the fact no the one who doesn't harm anyone is a dead body the moment we die you will find it takes only few hours the body will start decomposing why my body doesn't decompose why your dead body starts decomposing because constantly i'm fighting through my breath the microbes are entering my body the antigens the antibodies the white blood corpuscles they are there they are there as the army constantly fighting even when i am sitting idly i am thinking i am not harming anyone it cannot be so that's why life is a contradiction in terms in vihadarana upanishad it has been told ashana ashanaya hi mrityu hunger is death the moment you are hungry it means death to someone else how can life be perfect sometimes we find that's why we try to please ourselves we say that god has actually has created the entire universe for us the sun the moon the food the animals it's a very selfish way of understanding not seeing the other the other spectrum where it is all evil i'm just limiting my spectrum and thinking wow god has created for me but is it really perfect if i take the entire creation just as a whole and that uh, type of uh, awareness is growing more and more because in the present day we find that we cannot exist apart from the entire creation in our attempt to uh, have more and more prosperity we have already damaged the entire environment in turn we are getting affected global warming uh, this ozone hole whatever you may say it is our creation because the goodness is something which has a broader spectrum we have to include them 
we that idea that god has created the everything for me to enjoy so that it's the idea itself is full of flaws that cannot be it's a coexisting world so we will find this is the idea a perfect life is contradiction in terms it can never be it's a constant interaction constant fight life itself is a state of continuous struggle between ourselves and everything outside every moment we are fighting actually with the external nature and if we are defeated our life has to go it is for instance a continuous struggle for food and air if food and air fails we die life is not a simple and smoothly flowing thing but it is a compound effect this complex struggle <clears throat> between something inside and the external world is what we call life so it is clear that when this struggle ceases there will be an end of life so that's what we were saying there is no struggle in the dead body struggle they have stopped the struggle and immediately we find it starts decomposing otherwise we are constantly life means struggle constantly i whether we are taking food or not as long as i am alive i am killing there are many who say that uh, that yes we cannot avoid killing but it's better always not to avoid not taking the higher life of the higher forms of life the vegetarianism the veganism because for them the consciousness is something more palpable but actually it is not so suffering is something which is same for all suffering is like a gas you know just if i take a small amount of gas and leave it in this in a room a vacuum a room which is totally vacuum the gas won't just sit in one place in one corner it will immediately spread in that entire room and if i have a larger volume of gas that also will spread everyone thinks my i suffer my suffering no one can understand my suffering is so intense in this world you will find if you just ask that no one suffers like me actually it's not the quantity of suffering the suffering's nature is such it just pervades if anyone says when i eat the plants the plant doesn't suffer it is actually just masking it is not the truth but you know when anyone is hanged his face is first covered why you know that so that i do not see the reaction in that face because that affects me so first i will mask him put a mask on that man's face and then hang him so that the reaction the pain i don't see i don't relate when i say that the lower forms of animals when i kill i don't kill the higher it's only masking the suffering is the same it's a just total rubbish when we say that it's only the higher forms suffer more and the the lower forms doesn't suffer they suffer the same way but it has been masked as my level of awareness is not to the same level of awareness of them it has just been masked and i feel that uh, they don't suffer just the way to not to relate to the suffering of the man who is being hanged i mask him is almost the same way the nature has masked these all type of arguments are actually totally rubbish the fact is life is not possible without killing others it's a fact so why swami is taking is all this point just to give a different paradigm otherwise we become fanatic to accept the truth and then to find out the way out so that's why swami ji is taking through this type of discussion the complex struggle so let us go back to his words the complex struggle between something inside and the external world is what we call life so it is clear that when this struggle ceases there will be an end of life what is meant by ideal happiness is the cessation of the struggle but then life will cease for the struggle can only cease when life itself has ceased so what's the ideal happiness so that's the thing swami ji now will be bringing the point to his discussion then what's the way out if we think just by doing good at last we will annihilate evil it's not going to be it's actually to go beyond good and evil by getting rid of this limited sense of i ego still we have to do good but not with the attempt to do good to the world 
If I do good to the others, what I'm doing actually? I am giving the importance to this I, it becomes secondary. Someone else's interest becomes primary. That way you are annihilating the ego. So Swamiji, what he's saying is a very interesting thing. That doing good is okay, but change the motivation behind it. If you just think that I will just change the world, at last you will turn into a fanatic. You will find no change is happening. And you find that all, there are so many factors who are detrimental for my progress. And I become fanatic. I just become a howling fanatic. I go on shouting against them, killing them. If I do the, did the same work with the idea that the world remains as it is, with even with my help, it is not going to change. And world is not waiting for me to help it out. Even if with all my resource, with all my attempt, the moment that the day I die, the world continues. The, the, the world won't stop that such and such great person has died and the world won't stop. It goes on its own way with its good and evil. But still, why should I then do good? Should I then stop doing good? No. That there's, for when I'm doing good, the another aspect of it is there which we should be aware of. Whenever I'm doing good to the world, when I'm helping others, the other person has become important and that my own interest has become secondary. That way I am abnegating my ego. And the more I can do that, the more I can go beyond that prism called the mind, called the, that prism called the mind. Now on the other side, at the same time when the white in the prism, when the prism is there in one side, you see the white light, the other side, the spectrum. These are not two separate existence. When the white light is there at the same time, the spectrum is there. Only when you are seeing through the mind, through the prism of mind, then it becomes a spectrum. When you go beyond it, it is always that white light. It has not changed into the spectrum. So go beyond the mind. Immediately, there's a shift in the awareness and you find it's all play. This projection is a play. These things which were taking real, when the puppy, puppies are just fighting with each other, they take it so real, but from the mother's standpoint, it's all play. So you have gone to that standpoint. Now this good and evil, nothing affects you. Go beyond them. And the way is by doing good. But at the same time, not thinking by doing good, I'm going to change the world. That expectation should go. And doing good by that, constantly, I am effacing my ego with each and every act. That is a self-purification process. So that's the idea which Swamiji will now bring into his discussion. So let us read the, his words and then we will again go to the discussion. We have seen already that in helping the world, we help ourselves. So that's the point which Swamiji is bringing now. The main effect of work done for others is to purify ourselves. By means of the constant effort to do good to others, we are trying to forget ourselves. This forgetfulness of self is the one great lesson we have to learn in life. This is the lesson. If I think that by doing good, I'm going to change the world, that at last will turn me into a fanatic, horrible fanatic. But if I have this idea that I have tried my best to do good to the world, why have tried my best? Because nowadays, even in science, they are saying that the Darwin's ideas have modified a lot. That is, it is not competition. That in our genes, there is altruism. As if we are being programmed to be kind to others, to help others. It has been programmed within us. If we take that standpoint, a devotee, how he can relate to this idea of this science, still he can relate. That God has made me in such a way that through me, his compassion is working. His love is working. When the mother loves the child, it is not the credit of the mother. Can you show me a single mother? What to speak of human beings? Even in the animal kingdom, where the mother is not ready to give away her life for the child, even in the animal kingdom, it is there. So it is not the credit of the mother. The creation is such. God has created in such a way that we have to be compassionate. We have to be loving. God is taking care of his creation for which we are the mere channels. So now the expectation should go. It is all the goodness which I am trying to uh, 
practice in my life is because of that altruism altruism the genes the uh, in the genes that altruistic genes it i am bound to do it i am just the channel through which the god's love is working so i have no result uh, hankering for result god knows best why he is working through me that way i am just the instrument i i just simply surrender to him i have no uh, hankering for the result and then that's action what is happening becoming karma yoga that without any hankering that i have resigned myself to the divine that's what the entire bhagavad gita at last this is the sharanagati sometimes someone thinks that i have to leave my work and just be uh, what you say that uh, resigned to god no actually when i am working you should know it is a that is a proper resignation there itself you don't have to come out of the work that what's the resignation that it's actually not i am working i am so swami ramakrishna and the one of the disciples of sri ramakrishna he was sent to the south india to develop the centers there swami vivekananda sent him and he did a marvelous job in the south india the all the centers we, which we have is a, a, a great extent it is the influence of swami ramakrishnananda by which it all developed and when someone seeing him they are doing such a huge work quantity of work is to asked him that swami ji how come is it possible that for one person to have done so much of work ramakrishna's reply was wonderful he used to say you know a poet wrote volumes of books with the pen does the pen say i have written i am the pen someone is holding me so that's the idea wonderful idea of karma yoga that all the actions i am doing that you know it's no question of ego that i am just the channel through which the god's love is working so that way when it is just a change of the paradigm the same work continues but without any expectation i am doing it just with the idea of seek not avoid not god has kept me in a particular situation it's a huge teamwork yagya yagya is a teamwork the entire world no one exists alone segregated it's a constant interaction all are in some way linked with others in this great teamwork i have a certain role to play that's how god has created me so i don't avoid i take and but at the same time i don't seek that all these things i have done for that i should get this and this result so if i do that 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 is the sharanagati sharanagati doesn't mean resignation that i leave my family and everything and i just uh, from morning and evening i say oh god oh god that's not the thing with all my activities it's i'm going on with the idea i don't hanker after it nor i avoid because after all god has kept me is a much bigger plan of which i don't know let me just resign to it so this becomes karma yoga by means of constant effort to do good to others we are trying to forget ourselves this forgetfulness of self is one of the great lesson we have to learn in life so this idea we find wonderfully expressed by sri ramakrishna when someone asked him sir when shall i be free it was in bengali ami mukto hobo kobe Ramakrishna used to play a wonderful pun with the words. Immediately, in another one sentence, he gave the reply, "When shall I be free?" His answer was, "When I cease to be." That I, it's a paradox. When you say, "When shall I be free?" You that there's limited. I can never be free with that all its limitation. This limit I has to vanish. This old man has to go. Even in the you will find in the Bible they say that Swamiji will refer to. the old man must die this limited ego has to go off and karma yoga is one of the best way for doing that because when each and every good action i am subjugating my ego give not giving importance to that others interest others uh, interest becomes my interest and that's how i'm moving out and that is the forgetfulness of the self which we can practice through karma yoga and that's the only practice for spiritual growth means whatever whether you are a gyani or a bhakta or 
a karma yogi at last everyone is trying to efface the ego in their own way the ways may be different but the purpose the all the practices the aim of all the practices is the same is the effacement of the ego is a self abnegation so that's what swami ji is now discussing let us again go to the words of swami vivekananda man thinks foolishly that he can make himself happy and after years of struggle finds out at last the true happiness consists in killing selfishness and that no one can make him happy except himself every act of charity every thought of sympathy every action of help every good deed is taking so much of self importance away from our little selves and making us think of ourselves as the lowest and the least and therefore it is all good here we find gyana bhakti and karma all come to one point the highest idea is eternal and entire self abnegation where there is no i but all is thou and whether he is conscious or unconscious of it karma yoga leads a man to that end now swami ji will be speaking that the bhakta sometimes is so much eager to keep his individuality in the words of chaitanya mahaprabhu ami chini hote chai na chini khete chai it's actually been spoken by uh, ram prasad in one of his song chaitanya mahaprabhu also referred to it that i don't want to be silk sugar i want to taste sugar as per advaita vedanta that you as it become the sugar one with the absolute reality so here it's more a question of what you're liking not of the real actual reality that i don't want to be that i i want to taste the sugar i want to maintain my individual this identity but even when you are trying to maintain your individual identity actually you are constantly practicing self effacement that's the only spiritual practice that's what swami vivekananda will indicate a religious preacher in the words of swami ji now let us come may become horrified at the idea of an impersonal god he may insist on a personal god and wish to keep up his own identity and individuality whatever he may mean by that but his ideas of ethics if they are really good cannot but be based on the highest self abnegation the one who is saying that i don't want to be the sugar i want to test sugar but as for the practice is concerned what he is saying trinadapi shunichena so this is one of the stanzas of the shikshashtakam of all the chaitanya mahaprabhu's work written work only this six stanza remain he was an erudite scholar but nothing remains of uh, uh, as such of his literary work only six stanzas shikshashtakam they are really extremely powerful the entire spiritual uh, our journey our attitude our orientation what it should be in the six stanzas in a wonderful way he has written one of the stanza what is saying trinadapi shunichena tarodiva shahishtana amani na manadena kirtaniya sadahari the kirtaniya sadahari comes last go on praising the lord go on thinking of the lord there's a last phrase before that before that this practices he is speaking which speaks of self abnegation that first just shed off all the dross from that other the so called your worldly material ego by becoming humble humble what's that humility like trinadapi even like a grass a small grass you you become something humble than that the grass is so humble that even if anyone walks over it it immediately it's pressed by it it never dies it allows everyone to walk through it it is never having any as such complaint it is forbearing there's so much that of onslaught going on constantly over him so be as humble as that taroriva shahishnuta be forbearing like a tree the tree is there for all good it gives fruit it gives shade and we constantly uh, constantly uh, what we do is we go and cut the trees 
we break its branches constantly the onslaught on the tree is going on but the tree it never is taking revenge it is there always what however we may maltreat it it is there always to give us shade to give us fruit to give us food so be as forbearing as the tree tarori vashishtana aman in aman dena even to the humblest person you should always relate to him through respect reverence as if he is the holier than the holiest person so that way you should relate to the entire creation through that respect and then kirtaniya sir so isn't it self abnegation that's the practice which he is speaking of that whether i am a devotee or whether i am a gyani at last you will find the practice ends up in self abnegation that is the thing which is being indicated that's what swami ji is also saying that though he is horrified with the idea of an impersonal god he always wants to maintain his individuality and to relate to a god in a very personal way he also will find actual the spiritual practice is nothing but self abnegation and this is the basis that's when the swami ji is saying it is the basis of all morality you may extend it to men or animals or angels it is the one basic idea the one fundamental principle running through all ethical systems and then swami ji the next paragraph is very interesting that you will find we will end up with the first line of that paragraph and that's very interesting paragraph we will continue the next class but this one line we will just read and just try to relate to it you will find various classes of men in this world he will actually speak of four classes of men the first you will find uh, we can relate from whatever religious denomination we may belong to whatever our faith may be if we try to relate to our own uh, this religious uh, illuminaries or even if to the religious enemies of the other religion what's the common thing you will find that's the first category first there are the godmen whose self abnegation is complete who do only good to others even at the sacrifice of their own lives any religion whether it is jesus whether it is buddha whether it is shankaracharya whether it is madhvacharya whether it is ramakrishna whether it is swami ji will find they are ready even to give away their own lives for doing good to the world for jesus there is no need for explanation buddha we will find the same thing even after his after the, immediately after the realization after the nirvana the first thought came that what's there in this life just let me give up the life because it is also as such an illusion it's a flow and immediately the next moment the huge compassion came what is that that if i don't just stay in this physical body and let the human being know that what's the treasure is there within this our so called apparent self they will remain in dark this out of compassion is moving out even in his death bed we are finding the same thing the buddha when others are worried about his health he is not at all uh, what you say that uh, in any way he is not going to stop anyone from coming to him and instruct till the last moment he is instructing people so you will find that each and every the self abnegation in shankaracharya's life also that the one his advaitin when some kapalika came and told that i want to sacrifice you because the bigger the sacrifice the greater result i accrue immediately agreed it's his disciples who saved him but we find that the idea of self abnegation is something common in all the great person this all the so called spiritual enumeraries that's the thing which we all relate to even if i may be that swami vivekananda will give an example that from the christian background we believe in god but we will find that even the so called even if you are a christian you have a reverence for buddha the one who doesn't believe in god why because he is ready to sacrifice his life for an animal 
In those days, the yagyas were there, and in which the animals were killed. That is the one of the, the evil practices that has developed out of the religion, so-called religion, elaborate rituals where the animals were sacrificed. Buddha was the one who was against it, and the same thing that Buddha is asking when he saw that animal was to be killed. That why you are uh, going to sacrifice that animal? That I will accrue good merits. That was the belief, and then Buddha asked that. that if it is a higher animal if you sacrifice an animal which is highly evolved won't you isn't your merit uh, will be more or yes of course then he is saying that why you are going to sacrifice this animal leave it i am here to give away my life so everywhere you find it is this and when we read this story whatever may be your background immediately your head bows down in reverence this self abnegation so that's the thing there's a first category who is ready to help out the world even at the cost of his own life there's this pure unselfishness that's the first category the remaining four categories he will speak of that we will take up remaining three categories the total four in the next class we will take up and why he's saying all this just to highlight the point at last it is elevation <clears throat> which alone is the highest ideal and that's all we should aspire for if we really want spiritual illumination so with this we stop our discussion today we will continue uh, with the remaining portion of the lecture again in the next class thank you thank you swami ji namaskar 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 pranam swami ji ha namaskar pranam swami ji ha namaskar